Turn with me in your Bibles uh, to John 15. These are the verses that I read uh, earlier uh, in the service. John uh, 15, beginning at verse uh, 18. You'll find that on page 902 if you're using uh, one of the, uh, the Pew Bibles. And this morning it has been our privilege to, to pray for uh, the persecuted church, to pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering for righteousness' sake around uh, the world. And uh, as we pray, it is um, easy for us to feel that we, we stand afar off, we, we stand at a safe distance. And, and it's understandable that we, that we feel that way. But listen again. Uh, to what Jesus says, not just to some, but to all those who are his disciples. Jesus says, beginning in verse 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so Paul can say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that indeed all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. This morning I simply have two goals as I want to to briefly uh, remind you of what the Scriptures say. Briefly remind you before we come to the Lord's table that that the persecution is not only out there, but that you too will be persecuted if you seek to follow Christ in the course of your daily life. Maybe not in the same way, maybe not to the same uh, degree, but you will be persecuted if you seek to follow Christ. And then I want to give you those truths which Christ Himself gives to His disciples. That here is how you may have the grace to stand firm. If you know these things to be true, and if these truths dwell richly in your heart. So let me uh, pray that God would be with us, uh, and then let me uh, open for you God's Word. Let us pray. Father God, this is Your Word, and it is a hard Word. Father, it is a word that uh, we uh, maybe don't want to hear, but I pray that you would give us ears to hear it as good news here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I really have only two modest goals this morning, and the first uh, is to remind you, to help you to see and to understand that you too will be persecuted. And then I want to give to you two truths, two promises uh, that will help you to face that persecution to the glory of your King. And so first, simply the truth, you will be persecuted. As I said, as we, as we pray for the persecuted church, it is easy for us to, to think that persecution is only for those whose lives are threatened, only for those whose, whose property is threatened, only for those who, uh, whose freedom is threatened by their government or, or by their neighbors. That those who confess Christ, when, when their lives are at risk, that is persecution. And by God's grace, most of us have never and will never face that type of persecution. But we must remember the truth of Jesus' words, that if they hated Him, they will hate you. And as Paul said, if if you desire to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. 
So what sorts of, of persecution might we face? Well, if you confess Christ as the reason for your hope, and if, if you confess Him to others as the only name under heaven given by which men must be saved, I can tell you that you will be persecuted. Think about taking that message to your family. Think about taking that message to, to, to loved ones. It is an offensive message. Paul says it is the aroma of death to those who are perishing. And it will cost you something to confess Christ before those who, who do not have ears to hear the good news of the Gospel. It will cost you. Families will be divided, we are told. You will be ridiculed by some as having believed in, in fairy tales. And you will be hated by others as, as being intolerant and as, as being narrow-minded. And if you confess Christ as the reason for your hope and call upon others to do the same, you will face persecution. And if you seek to honor Him in the course of your life, if you seek to honor Him in the, in the workplace, or if you seek to honor Him in the public square, you will be persecuted. You may be seen by your boss as one who's not a, a team player, one who's not a company man because you have different priorities or because you're not willing to, to follow the, the course of action that they set out that would be most profitable to the company. You may be ostracized even by your co-workers because you're not willing to join with them in their disrespect of the boss or because you're not willing to cut the same corners and you're highlighting things that make them look Bad. But if you seek to confess Christ as the reason for your hope, and if you seek to honor Him in your workplace, you will face persecution. Not from all, but from those who hate Him. They will also hate you. And if you seek to speak up for His righteousness in the public square, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted for, for, for standing up for His righteousness and for His just principles. Um, even in this election, there will be those who say, well, because you're not voting for this candidate, because you're not voting for this candidate, therefore you are not a true patriot, therefore you are not truly for the country. If you stand up and, and speak out against certain immoralities, or if you speak out against certain horrors that occur in our country, you will, you will be seen as one who who is a threat to the common good, even though it is the common good that you are standing up for. And so even here in this country, you will be persecuted. Not to the same degree. We are not yet at the point of, of, of gunmen coming in. We are not yet at the point of being in prison. We are not yet at the, at the point of, of being tortured for our faith. And even in Scripture we read, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Even the biblical authors recognize that persecution begins long before it reaches that crescendo. But if you confess Christ, if you seek to follow Him, if you seek to honor Him in your life, you will face persecution. And so how do we make sense of it? How do we stand firm when the persecution comes? And I believe that, that we are told that if we let the Word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts, we will be enabled to stand firm in the hope that is ours. And so what truths must we remember? What truths must we cling to as we face the hatred that will come our way? And there are two truths in particular I want to highlight uh, this morning. And the first is simply this. That persecution does not mean that God has forsaken you. It does not mean that God has forgotten you. That's what it feels like. 
And it is right and it is good to give expression to what you feel, even as David does in Psalm 22, even as Jesus Himself did upon the cross. It is right and good. We, we do no one any favors by pretending we feel other than we do, but rather when we feel, we call out to God, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we help our unbelief. God helps our unbelief through the promises He has made in His Word. Remember what Jesus Himself said as He spoke to His disciples after His resurrection. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you as orphans. There are those in the church today who think, well, if He is with us, if He is working for our good, then that must mean health, wealth, and prosperity for all who, who follow Him. And they, and they proclaim that lie as if it were God's Word. That is not what is being promised. When He says that He is with us, He does not mean that He will, he will cause our life to be easy or that He will bless us with health, wealth, and prosperity here and now. Listen even to the words of Psalm 23 where we profess that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But before we get to the end of the psalm, He is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Taking comfort not in the fact that He doesn't have to go there, but in the fact that the Lord goes with them. It's what we sang in that song. How firm a foundation taken from Isaiah 43. We must fear not. Not because He will keep us from all danger. Not because He will keep us from all trial. But that when we pass through the waters, He will be with us. And when the fires overcome, they will not burn. Because He is our Savior. The promise is not that that you will not experience the troubles of this life. The promise is my grace is sufficient. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will sustain you. I will bring you through. And I will work even this for your good. And that is the second point. We fear sometimes that when the persecution comes, it means that our good has been lost, that our good has been forfeited, that God's promise has not been kept. But it is not so. Persecution does not mean your good has been lost. The promise of Romans 8 still stands. God is working, but you've heard me say it so often. What is the good that He is working? All you have to do is keep reading the text. He tells us what the good is. He is going to conform us to the image of the glory of His Son. He is going to make us more and more like Christ. And if that seems to you a light promise, you must ask yourself this question. What do you truly see as your highest good? If given a choice between health, wealth, and prosperity and sanctification, which would you choose? If given a choice between being made like Christ and and being made rich and, and healthy, which would you choose? Which do you see as your greater good? Scripture tells us again and again and again that we are foolish, blind creatures who set our hope on the things that are going to turn to rust, on the things that cannot truly satisfy. When all along he says, listen, I have something better for you. It's not that the health and wealth gospel promises too much. It's that it settles for far too little. He says, listen, I am conforming you to the image of Christ because it's there that the joys, the solid joys, the eternal joys, the the truly satisfying joys that are at my right hand, it's there that they are to be found in fellowship with me as you are conformed to the image that you were created to embody all along. 
Let me make you like Christ that you might know full and eternal joy forever and ever world without end. That's the promise. And that's why James can say, when the trials come, count it joy. Not because the trials are in themselves a good thing. They they are not. But God uses them for good. He uses them to build character. He uses them to build hope. He, He uses them to conform us to the image of Christ that we might be made perfect in the glorifying and enjoying of Him for all eternity. That work is not yet complete. And so long as we live in this present evil age, we will continue to suffer. We will continue to be hated as God's people. Not by all, but by some. And God will continue to work that hate and turn it into a blessing. Even as Jesus Himself said, blessed are you when people revile you. Blessed are you when people say all manner of evil against you. Blessed are you, for you will receive the kingdom. And because the kingdom belongs to the persecuted, that's why we call this good news. Do you believe that? Pray with me. Father God, we do pray that You would cause these truths to dwell richly in our hearts. We do pray, Father, that, that, you would, that You would put down deep roots of the Gospel. That, that we would remember, Father, that, that the things that we set our hearts on, they are so often the things that, that turn to dust. They are so often the things that, that rust. They are so often the things that can break or be stolen. Father God, may we not put our trust and our hope in such things, but may we put our trust and our hope in You. And may we know, Father, that there is no greater blessing that You could give than to conform us to the image of Your Son. May we know that our true eternal joy is in being like Him for all eternity. Father God, we pray that these truths would bring forth much fruit in our lives and in the lives of those around the world, Father, who profess faith in You. May these be the truths upon which we stand. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.